and welcome to the Cancer Cured Me podcast. My name is Russell Peden. It's my pleasure to welcome you to this inaugural episode, what I am calling the Cancer Cured Me podcast. My name is Russell Peden. It's my pleasure to be your host on every episode of this podcast. We're just launching a brand new podcast where you will learn about people from all over the world who are winning their battles with cancer and getting cured but more importantly, how their cancer journey cured them, changing their lives and the lives of others as a result. Again, once again, my name is Russell Peden. And over the course of this podcast, over the, the many episodes that are to come, you're gonna, I'm going to interview people like myself who've not only won their cancer journey and today are cancer-free, uh, healed, cured, whatever you want to call it, but also people who have had their cancer journey cure them and transfer their lives in positive ways and allow them to have an impact on the lives of others. I'm super excited. I've got lots of interviews lined up, people I want you to meet. You're also going to learn from experts in the cancer uh, world, so to speak, especially the cancer, the alternative cancer world. I'm not one of these people who bashes conventional therapy, although I think, I don't think I know that there are other ways that you can cure or heal yourself from cancer without necessarily having to go to the conventional therapy. I think conventional therapy certainly plays a role in cancer treatment, but the reality of it is hundreds and thousands of people are curing themselves of cancer every year without conventional therapy, and you can too if you're currently a cancer, a person with cancer. So I'm excited about the future, looking forward to uh, having you down, subscribe and download uh, the podcast and, and become a regular listener to the podcast. So much to share, so many people for you to meet, so many amazing stories and information and resources to help you uh, learn how you can cure your own cancer, learn how you can be cured by your cancer like I was, and lots of other information. So I'm super excited for that. With that said, let me introduce myself, give you a little about my background and why you should listen to this podcast today and going forward. Again, my name is Russell B. Today, I make my home in Southeastern Virginia. Just got back from spending the last two years living in Mexico with my wife and my two younger kids. I've My wife and I have four amazing kids. My oldest, Alexandria, we call her Lexi. Number two is Isabella. We call her Bella. My th Number three is my son, Russell. He's the third. I'm a junior. And of course, my baby girl is my princess, Amelia. We call her Emmy. Yeah, Russell's the only one without a nickname because we think Russell's a perfect name, just like my name. Oh, we do call him RP3 sometimes. But anyway, so we we lived in Mexico for the last two years because my wife and I wanted to expose our two children to new culture, a new lifestyle, and a whole new perspective. And not to mention, I've got a, a little bit of an affinity for Mexico, as you'll hear in just a second. But anyway, so we, we have four kids. We make a home today in southeastern Virginia. 2013, I was diagnosed with large B-cell non-Hoskins lymphoma, which is a very aggressive, very fast-growing blood cancer. If you've, but you have to fast forward to February of, of 2013. I, my wife and I noticed I had a small lump in the right, my right breast armpit area, about the size of a ping pong ball, I think you'd, I, I would say. And I didn't pay much more attention to it. I thought it was just my body's way of saying, hey, you're going too fast. You need to slow down, maybe take a break, uh, maybe do a, a, a three-day juice fast to kind of reset your body, maybe a week juice fast. That's what we had always done. I always believed in just listening to your body. My wife and I never went to a traditional doctor. We primarily have always gone to a natural path uh, doctor. And they always say, hey, you know, your body will let you know what's going on. Your body will let you know when you need to slow down. 
And I just thought this is my body's way of saying, hey, you're going, 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 going too fast. Slow down, take a break, do a detox, get your body reset. Because uh, we, we were at that time, we were running and gunning in our business. I had so much going. I had a big convention that was coming up, had a big trip that we had planned that summer, and just no time for anything except work, 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 work. And uh, honestly, I always say, you know, nothing else would have got my attention except for cancer. That's how hard and fast we were going in our lives, especially myself. So my wife and I, I did a juice fast, did a three-day juice fast. The mass was still there. Did a seven-day juice fast. The mass was still there. Did a 30-day juice fast. Felt fantastic, but still, the mass was still there. And actually, it felt like it was getting larger. My wife told me I needed to go to the doctor, do something about it. I told her, we don't have time. We've got this big convention coming up. I said, I'll I'll do another juice fast. So I did another juice fast, and still, the mass was still there, only getting bigger. Felt great, but just the mass wasn't getting any smaller. Promise you that after we got back from this big trip that we had planned to Cancun with our company, that I would go to the doctor. So Cancun came, and if you look at the picture of of our family picture from Cancun that year, you could actually see through my shirt the size of this mass in my arm. It had gone from a ping pong to about the size of a good size orange, so it's pretty noticeable. So I got we got back from Cancun. I went to the doctor. They wanted to do an ultrasound, which I agreed to. They And after the ultrasound, they said, I think it's best that we do a biopsy because there's certainly something there. Not knowing anything about biopsies and anything at all about cancer, I said, okay. So I agreed to the to the biopsy, which means that they take a super long 10, 12-inch needle, insert it into uh, the, the mass, the lump, if you will, to take a piece of it out and then send that little piece of the, the mass or the tumor to be tested. So we had to wait for the results to come back. About a week or so later, I get a call back from the doctor to let me know that the the test results had come back and it was positive for lymphoma. They weren't sure what kind of lymphoma, what stage it was. So they referred me to a, an oncologist, So, uh, which is fine. So we went to go, my wife and I went to go meet with the oncologist, primarily because we just want to know what type of cancer it was, what stage it was, because we'd already made up our mind that if it was cancer, we were not going to go the conventional route because we had watched just a year or two earlier, watched my father-in-law die from the exact same cancer. He had non-Hodgkin lymphoma. He didn't have large B-cell like I did. We watched him die, in our opinion, not from the cancer, but from the treatment. My father-in-law was, I think he was in his 70s when he got diagnosed. He had a lot more health problems. He was had been diabetic his whole life. He'd had a, a bypass surgery on his heart. So he, and he wasn't a 40-year-old man like I was. He was much older with some other um, things going on. So his health was a little different than mine, but he ended up having, they, he got diagnosed and they immediately put him on, on uh, a chemotherapy regimen. And for the next five months, they gave him chemotherapy every several weeks. In fact, that was in August of 2009. In December of 2009, they sent him home to tell him that there's nothing else they can do. They, they can't in their right mind give him any more chemo and that he should go home and prepare himself and his family, he might make it to Christmas, maybe New Year's. So they gave him literally just weeks to live after sending him home after giving him chemotherapy for five months. And we literally watched my father-in-law die from the treatment, not from the cancer. And there's more to that. I'll I'll be share that story in more detail in another episode about what we did to help my father-in-law make it to Christmas, make it to New Year's, and make it for several more months as a result. But I'll share that story for another episode. But that's the way. So anyway, uh, that's why we decided not to go the conventional route. So we ended up going to meet with the oncologist. She gave us, she let us know what type of cancer we I had, what stage it was, which was stage two, in her opinion, non-Hoskins 
large B-cell non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Again, it's a very fast-growing, very aggressive form of lymph, non-Hodgkin lymphoma. That's all we wanted to know. But, but true to form, the assistant colleges that we met with was ready to put us put me on the, the chemo conveyor belt. We went to be with her on a Monday, and she told me that, that we we could I could start treatment on Friday. She laid out this this incredibly long treatment protocol of 18 months of this particular chemo regimen. I'd come to her office every two weeks for 18 months to receive this chemotherapy treatment. And if I did that for 18 months, most likely the cancer will be gone in, in, in 18 months, maybe two years at the most. Uh, I later found out that blood cancers like the one that I had, lymphoma, uh, leukemias, do respond very well to chemotherapy. In fact, they're one of the few cancers, blood cancers, that do respond well to chemotherapy. Now, they, they wreak havoc on your body's internal organs, but it will cure the cancer, I later found out through my research. Anyway, we left that meeting with the oncologist, never went back. Well, I shouldn't say, I ended up going back 10 months later because I had to, but but went on to move forward with the alternative cancer treatments that we, I had done research on and immediately started a, 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 juice, a, a juice therapy. I was juicing 12, 13 glasses of fresh juice every day on a on a plant-based diet, which is what I thought I needed to do because that's what all of the information that I could find out there in the alternative cancer world was saying that, that you need to be on the, a plant-based diet. I lost 45 pounds in about a month, felt great, felt better than I'd felt in a long time. Uh, but the mass in my chest was not getting any smaller. That was the only, not knowing, not having any specific blood work or blood markers. That was our only way, my wife and I, of telling how well the cancer was was doing. It was, it, in fact, this mass was only getting larger and larger. And uh, so I done a ton of research, which led me to uh, a, a phenomenal website called Chris B Cancer, which was put together by a gentleman named Chris Wark. Uh, reached out to him. Actually, went to go meet with him, and he referred me to his his nutritionist, his clinical nutritionist, a guy by the name of Doctor Smothers. Who I met with him, and he put me through a, a bunch of tests and gave me a, a bunch of information on detoxes and, and supplements and things like that. Uh, took that stuff, did a bunch of detoxes, doing everything we could to beat this cancer. Still, this mass is not getting any smaller; it's getting larger. Also, I found out about a, an amazing uh, gentleman, Doctor Nick Gonzalez, on Chris's website, Crispy Cancer. Doctor Gonzalez had been curing people of pancreatic cancer for over 20, 25 years at the time. And pancreatic cancer is a death sentence for most people. When they find out they have it, it's almost too late for them to do a thing about it. But I, I did some research on Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez and the work he'd been doing and decided this could be something for me, contacted Dr. Gonzalez. And I gotta be honest with you, uh, he and his partner, Dr. Isaacs, informed me right away after reaching out to them that although they, they would probably take me as a patient, but they, they felt like they should at least let me know that the cancer protocol that I was on with the chemotherapy would most likely cure me of my cancer, not just palliatively, but actually it would be curative to my cancer. They knew I didn't want to do the chemo. They didn't want me to do the chemo, so they agreed to take me as a patient, end up working directly with Dr. Gonzalez's partner, Linda Isaacs, and Dr. Isaacs um, took me through the protocol, set me up on a specialized diet, and set me up on a treatment protocol of, of of supplements and enzymes, uh, a very high dose enzyme therapy. Did that for three months. Uh, felt great. The, the the unique part about it is the diet that they referred me to was a red meat high fat diet, which is a complete opposite of what I had been on for the previous six months. Um, but I was doing whatever I could. They, this guy had been curing people of cancer for over twenty five years, pancreatic cancer at that, and so whatever 
they told me to do, I was going to do. So I did that, was on that protocol for about 90 days, came back for a follow-up visit. And at this point, the mass has gotten much larger, started interfering with the fluid flow to my arm. I had some severe lymphedema in my arm. Dr. Isaac has informed me that that was probably, that could be the body's res initial response to the enzyme therapy. And I, I should monitor it for another month or so. And when I went back home to monitor it, it wasn't getting any better. In fact, I started having a pain in my brachial nerve because I had to keep my arm elevated because of the size of the mass in my armpit ch uh, chest area. I had in incredible nerve pain in my brachial nerve. I didn't know it was called a brachial nerve until I went to the emergency room. But anyway, long story short, I ended up having to go back to see the oncologist that I hadn't talked to or, or seen since that initial visit 10 months earlier. At this point, she told me that I had to have a different sort of chemotherapy, a more aggressive form of chemo. In fact, it was so aggressive and so strong that it had to be, it could only be administered in the cancer ICU ward of our local hospital. I, I agreed to the to the treatment. She told me to leave her office, go straight to the doc to the hospital. She has they they have a room waiting for me, and my wife should go home and get my clothes and my belongings. But I should go straight to the hospital so I could get started on this treatment protocol immediately. So we get to the hospital. I go upstairs to the cancer ICU ward. They've got a room ready for me. I lay down. They hook me up to all these diodes and all these machines. There's a camera in the room so they can monitor me 24 hours a day because evidently one of the the drugs in this chemotherapy cocktail they're going to give me. One of them could stop your heart. The other could stop your breathing. And the others could have other effects on you as well. So anyway, I decided to go to this. I get set up for the chemo. and They I, they give me one round of this chemotherapy after installing the venous port in my chest. And uh, for the first time in almost a year, the mass in my chest had shrank. In fact, what had been a good size grapefruit size mass in my armpit area was now about half the size and kind of soft and malleable, which is the first time it had felt like that in months. And uh, so I, I decided to to wait and do a second treatment. Uh, the pain had, had, had with my arm and my nerve pain had finally subsided. So after talking with Dr. Isaacs and talking with my naturopath, um, Dr. Prince, we'd agree that maybe a second round of treatment would, would, would help as well, since we had such great results with the first round. And so for the, for the summer of 2014, I did six of the required eight rounds of the RCHOP chemotherapy that was that was part of the, the National Institute of Health recommendation. If you have stage two or three not large piece of lymphoma. This is the protocol that you go through: eight rounds of RCHOP chemo, followed by a bone marrow transplant, followed by another more chemo, and all of that. I decided, with the help of my with Dr. Isaacs and my naturopath doctor, to be in control of my treatment and only do the, the number of chemotherapy rounds that were necessary for me to to get rid of the mass in my chest. So after six rounds of chemo, September of 2014, I did a I did a, a CT scan after every chemo chemo treatment to to see or how it was how how it was progressing and after that the last round of chemo number six essentially the mass in my chest was gone just a little bit of scar tissue left but it was gone there was nothing there to fill and we thought we had licked it we thought we had beat cancer and celebrated took my daughters on a cruise we celebrated my wife couldn't go because she's pregnant with my my youngest daughter uh and uh, my little boy was was too young. So we went, we celebrated. We thought we'd beat cancer. 
got back from the cruise, took my wife on a weekend getaway to Florida to visit some friends and discovered that later on, after having issues getting out of the car and being really, really weak, that uh, and having issues with my balance, we later found out that the cancer in the process had spread to my brain. Went back to meet with my oncologist, found out, did an MRI, which I'd never done before, did an MRI of my brain, found out I had two small tumors on the right side of my brain. And uh, they they wanted to do chemotherapy on my brain using a very well-known uh, chemotherapy, I forget the name of it right now, methyltrexate, I think is what it's called. Anyway, I had I decided not, I, I didn't want to do the, go that route because I, I, I knew what I could do with the chemo in my body. I could get it out with the help of my naturopath doctor, Dr. Prince, but I didn't know there was any way to flush my brain of the chemotherapy that they were putting in my brain. I wasn't sure if I would go blind. Oh, what happened if they pumped this this chemotherapy into my brain? But after much pleading from my wife and discussing with with the doctor, I agreed to have this surgery where they inserted a special um, medical device in my brain called an Almira, and which allowed them to in, 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 uh, administer the chemotherapy. Also, at the same time, be able to pull out cerebral spinal fluid to have it tested to see how it was going. So I had the surgery, had the first round of the brain chemo. Had another MRI. There was zero shrinkage, and uh, of the two tumors, they were both the exact same size and shape. So I I was ready to to quit and move on. I'd already found out at that point about uh, a special hospital in Mexico called the Rubio Cancer Center that a good friend of mine who I'd known for twenty years had gone to after having stage four prostate cancer. He's actually uh, one of my upcoming podcast interviews. You're going to get to hear his story personally from him. His name was Brooks Workheiser. So Brooks had found out, I'd found out that Brooks had gone to Mexico and I heard about it. This is right about the time I discovered that I had the brain tumors. So I decided I was going to go to Mexico. But in the meantime, my wife convinced me, the, the, the oncologist convinced me to have the brain surgery and the brain chemo. So I agreed to one more round of the brain chemo, which I had, and I had another MRI and again, zero shrinkage. So I told my wife and the doctor that I was going to go to Mexico. And, and get the treatment there with, with Dr. Rubio at the Rubio Cancer Center. So my oncologist thought I was nuts. She said, that stuff doesn't work. I I said, no problem. I'll see you later. And never, never went back and finished the brain. I was supposed to have 12 weeks of the brain chemo, 24 rounds of this brain chemo in my brain. I did two and I left and, and called my friend Brooks, got the contact information for the Rubio Cancer Center and ended up going to Rubio on traveling to, to Rubio on New Year's Eve, 2014, I spent the next 49 days at the Rubio Cancer Center in Tijuana, Mexico, where Dr. Rubio and his team reversed my cancer in 49 in seven weeks. In fact, when I arrived at the Rubio Clinic, Dr. Rubio showed, took, took a scan of my brain, uh, took a bunch of did a bunch of blood work. And the day, the day I left, he showed me a picture of my brain scan of the day I got there seven weeks earlier and a picture of my brain of the scan I'd had just the day before on February 17th. I ended up leaving on the 18th of February and the tumors had completely dissolved. No scar tissue, no nothing. They had just dissolved. They were gone. It was amazing. I still had a blood cancer. So I had to come back for a couple of follow-up visits after that, but after three, three, Months of follow-up visits, I came back and Dr. Rubio checked my blood, did have me do another scan. They said, Russell, 
I can't find a cancer cell anywhere in your blood and you had a blood cancer, your scans are still clear. As far as I'm concerned, you're cancer-free. Come back in three months, we'll check you out again. So I went back to Dr. Rubio for every six months for the next five years and literally paid for him to tell me that I was cancer-free and my blood work was still perfect. So I've been cancer-free now for eight years, thanks to Dr. Rubio. Thanks, actually, thank to God through Dr. Rubio. And the rest, as they say, is history. I die. But as a result, I have referred dozens and dozens of people to the Rubio Cancer Center, all of them having similar results, all of them coming back, leaving the clinic cancer-free. Now, we've had a few people who waited to the very, very, very last minute to go. And obviously, Dr. Rubio is not a miracle worker. So uh, in those cases, they didn't make it. And But almost every person that we refer to the Rubio Cancer Center has had amazing results, just like I did. So that's my story. You'll be continue to hear more about my story as the weeks and months go on as I share more and more uh, details about my journey, the resources I found in my journey, uh, other people that I'd interview had who had also gone to Rubio and things like that. So uh, I hope this information was was interesting to you. I hope that you enjoyed my story and are looking forward to learning more about not how you can beat your own cancer, but how cancer can cure you and how cancer has cured me and how it's cured many of my friends and other folks that I've met along my journey. So thanks so much for, for listening. Remember to subscribe, share this episode with your friends and your family if you think it would be beneficial to them. And we look forward to talking to you on the next episode of the Cancer Cure Me podcast. Goodbye.